you're listening to The Private Citizen, defending your right to have something to hide. This is episode 118 for Wednesday, the 18th of May, 2022. Non-fungible bullshit. Hello everybody, my name is Fab, I'm coming to you live from Düsseldorf in Germany, where it's very warm, it's like almost 30 degrees. It wasn't that sunny today, but it's nice weather. Um, it's nice and warm. I like it. Um, I have to admit, <laughs> I like warm weather, so I kind of like global warming. Um, yeah, I've been enjoying it. Um, I haven't. I didn't go out though. I didn't have time. I didn't even leave the house. But I'm still enjoying um, the heat. Um, yeah, I've been working uh, a lot, so I haven't been able to get out of the house. But anyway, how are you doing? I hope you're doing all right. I'm, I'm having a bit of a beer here. Um, and today, my children, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you about NFTs. Um, yeah, we, I explained blockchain uh, last week, last episode. That was episode 117. And, and that was uh, very well received, I think. Uh, people like that. And that was kind of basically the, um, you know, the the... the the entry point. I kind of had to do that before we get into NFTs. Um, so we're going to do that today. That was basically what people wanted me to talk about. Um, the topic people... And I've been, I've been reading about NFTs a lot. I've been thinking about them a lot. And uh, I made a very quick initial... I had a very quick initial impression when I first learned about NFTs. And I've never changed that one. It's, uh, it's, the more I read, the more it's been, um, it's been solidified. So I, I think I'm just now ready to... Um, to give you that uh, opinion. And um, yeah, as you know, I'm, I'm broadcasting this live on Twitch as I usually do. So um, you can you can go, um, well, when I record live, which is usually Wednesday evenings, you can you can go to twitch.tv slash fox.alphabravo to watch it. You can go to my YouTube channel. All those links are in the show notes. Go to Private Citizen Not Press. That's probably the easiest. And uh, we have Jonathan. Jonathan, longtime supporter and a good friend. Um, is in chat and is commenting on my uh, dual camera. Yeah, I've, I kind of have a setup where you can see my hands and I'm, I'm actually wearing pants. He was making um, he was making uh, a, uh, I don't know, allegations there. I am, um, as I'm recording this, I'm, I'm in my broadcaster outfit. I'm, uh, I have, I'm wearing a shirt and a tie and, and, and short pants because it's very warm. <laughs> but there are extra pants. So uh, so here we go. Anyway, let's get into the show. Let's talk about uh, NFTs today. That's that's kind of the topic. And I think um, it's about everything for an introduction. As you know, the show notes are on privatecitizen.press, privatecitizen.press. Um, anything I talk about, links are in there. And uh, with that, let's, let's get going here. So first of all, we have to talk about basically what are what are NFTs. Now, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, 117, um, you should really do that. Um, unless you, you do know what a blockchain is and how it works, then you can you can you can stay right here. Um, so NFT uh, stands for non fungible token, and um, you know I talked about um, last episode how a blockchain is basically a database, right? It's a public. It's a public database per definition but um, 
it's a database. And in the case of the um, Bitcoin uh, cryptocurrency um, or other cryptocurrencies as well, depends on the on the cryptocurrency. But in the same case of Bitcoin, which I talked about last episode, it's it's kind of a record. It stores a um, it's like a ledger, right? We call it a ledger. It's like a, a, a um, decentralized um, public database of how how many bitcoins, which are kind of tokens, really, right? They're not like coins; they're like real currency, but like they're an abstract of a currency, right? So we call that a token. How many of those bitcoin tokens belong to whatever bitcoin address? Let's simplify it and say to whatever person, right? And and so what you're storing is um, what's called a fungible token. Uh, which is in uh, in currency fun- fungibility is um, you know uh, money. If you think of traditional money like paper money or coins, um, you know two coins are not the same, but they're interchangeable, right? It, if I if I pay you, right, if you say okay, um, I'm I'm selling you this and please give me three euros and I give you three euro coins, you know they're different coins technically you know they have little you know notches on it probably from being used and might be dirty or somebody might even like on paper money some somebody might even paint painted on it and um so they're different but fungibility means that they are accepted the same right you don't care which three euro coins or you know uh or if it's a larger uh, you know if you want 30 euros I give you three 10 euro notes you don't you don't care about the specific notes and they they do have serial numbers so they are definitely uh you can tell them apart but you don't care right so that's that's the way currency generally works um and in cryptocurrency you know you call that a token right um now an nft a non-fungible token is basically you're storing something in in a in a in a in a blockchain that that where you very much care about what it is right it's not interchangeable like just random bitcoin um, numbers um, it's um, it's a specific thing and you know if you if you think back to like previous episodes where I go to or the sorry the previous episode where I go um, it's just a database there could be anything right um, technically an NFT is a smart contract um, I'm not gonna go into what a smart contract le- means I, I linked the Wikipedia article in the show notes um, which explains it pretty much. I mean, I kind of explained what Bitcoin is, that it's kind of like a system, right? It's kind of like in itself an algorithm, um, you know, the way blocks are generated in the blockchain and, and the way um, like money is passed around and stuff like that. And that is basically a rudimentary smart contract. A smart contract is a um, an, an, an algorithm or an algorithmic way of um, making contracts. I can We can have an episode at some point about smart contracts because... There are inherent problems with that, but I think it goes too far um, to talk about that. Um, just, just imagine, um, you know, the, the the Bitcoin blockchain where it goes. Um, okay, when, when you have a block or like an entry in the database, um, where it goes, uh, you know, we're transferring 0.3 bitcoins from Fab to Jonathan, and, and you know that that comprises the ledger. Uh, with NFTs, um, you would go um, okay. There's a there's a JPEG at this web address, and it belongs to Fab, and it now belongs to Jonathan. So basically, what an NFT is, uh, I mean, NFTs in itself can be anything, right? There can be all kinds of information. Um, 
but you know for the purposes of what what currently most people you know when you when you think of an nft what you think of is kind of like um um you know a, a digital object um generally art uh, or like uh, could be files um you know all kinds of uh, assets really it could be video game object like a skin in a video game and that's generally stored under a certain URL because in the block, in the blockchain, you don't have that much space. Um, I mean, technically, you could, if it's like ASCII art, I think you could store it in the blockchain. Um, but generally, you just you know store a URL. Um, so it's basically you use a blockchain, which is a publicly. Um, I mean, it has all the upside. You use that blockchain to, ch to to store information about a certain digital object, in air quotes, belonging to somebody. And I'm going to say in air quotes because what you're storing is, you know, you're storing, like in Bitcoin, where you would say, okay, three bitcoins belong to this Bitcoin address. You say like this, say you know, art.jpg belongs to this address, and whoever has control over that address. Um, has control over this NFT so much. That's what the uh, theory is. Um, we're going to get into the problems with that and why that doesn't work or maybe doesn't work in a little bit. Um, but generally, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I mentioned this, I kind of teased this last episode. I'm very critical of this concept. But before I get into why I'm, I am critical about this, Generally, this idea of having a blockchain and just storing, like, I don't know, ownership information or basically, you know, linking addresses or, you know, establishing control over certain tokens or objects in a blockchain um, in itself, I don't think is a bad idea. It's kind of with the smart contracts, kind of the same thing. I think the idea isn't bad. It's just the implementation sometimes has problems. And I think humans are just not made for smart contracts, but that's a whole different, that's maybe a different episode. Um, but, um, yeah, so the, the, the technologies, I mean, it's just, you're just storing information in a, in a blockchain. Um, it's important to note that, um, with NFTs come the same upsides and downsides that you have with blockchains uh, that we talked about last episode extensively. Um, it's inherently public. Um, people keep saying that things like cryptocurrencies are anonymous and, uh, you know, NFTs is, I guess, the same thing. Um, and I think technically, I mean, technically that's true. If you're staying within the system, right? So if I, I, I didn't talk about this last time because I talked about blockchains, but like if you go into cryptocurrencies specifically, um, you have these addresses, right? And you, these addresses are just randomly generated hashes. And the way you establish control over it, like you create your wallet, like you go like, this is my Bitcoin wallet, wallet, and that creates an address. Or you can actually create, you don't have to have one address, you can create as many addresses as you want. And it's basically uh, cryptography, it's uh, public-private cryptography. In the end, you have a password, you know, that you sign, uh, you know, that you sign in with, and that kind of unlocks this address. So in itself, that is very anonymous because the outside world, even though the blockchain is public, only sees that address. Um, and that ad address is a randomly generated hash, so it's just random noise. So you, there's no way to know who generated it or when it was generated or anything like that. Um, and since, 
you know, and as long as you don't tell anybody that you have control of this address, they don't know, right? So they, you can see the movement, like, even though, for example, Bitcoin is, is, is very, very public because all information in the public, in the blockchain is public, you can see literally all of the money at all time. You know where it is, you know where it moves around. But since the recipient addresses are inherently, at least at first, anonymous, you don't know. Now, the problem comes with, as long as you stay within that system and you just send Bitcoin around, you're fine. Nobody knows who you are. The problem comes with getting paid out. And since it's a currency, you will inherently exchange that, right? Let's say you um, buy something um, for Bitcoins. You have to to have a way to get those Bitcoins, right? And usually you go to an exchange, like a marketplace, where you go, okay, I want to buy X Bitcoin, uh, for this many euros, let's say, and then that's where the where the anonymous. An- okay, I'm gonna have another beer. Ah, lovely Radeberger Pilsner. This podcast is not sponsored by Radeberger, but I wish it was. Um, that's where the anonymity breaks down, because um, in order for you to give the market real money and then they to give you Bitcoin, you have to give them an address, a Bitcoin address. And they then know, and because especially these days, because of like money laundering regulations, if you in pretty much any civilized country I know um, and not completely corrupt country, um, you have to authenticate with your real world identity. Like in Germany, you have to have, you know, do ID card checks and stuff like that. Um, to get this account with the market. So the market knows who you are. So at this point, they do know who you are and they know at least one of your addresses. Um, and so so there's a point of like an outside source that knows has this information. And then you can trace all the money, right? If they know this address is mine and no matter how many addresses I send it through, you can trace the money. I mean, there's ways, um, there's, there's the technologies called tumblers, which basically do... With Bitcoin addresses what Tor does, the onion router, right? It's 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 a closed system and there's many addresses putting money in and many addresses money going out and you because of the value, large volume of the transaction, um you can you can't tell what money's going where. So there are ways of anonymizing it, but the system itself inherently is only anonymous as long as you have like stay within the system and with currencies you generally don't do that so it's not as anonymous as people think um so that's because my colleagues in the press in the mainstream press and the mainstream media the msm um they don't understand this at all they don't know how power blockchain works um they just like read stuff other journalists write and so it's like a game of telephone and in the end nobody understands anything um they always say a that you know, for example, Bitcoin is completely anonymous. That it it creates, uh, you know, it's it's a haven for criminals because it's anonymous. And I mean, it's to some extent it's true. I mean, the man- money laundering as- aspect is there definitely. It, it is there, especially in countries that are very corrupt. Um, like I don't know what it is like today, but Ukraine used to be a, a hotspot for this. Um, it's um, it's just you know. Just like normal money laundering, so it's not inherently worse. Um, and you know, um, also organized criminals stay tend to stay within the system, so they tend to like you know when 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 a ransomware gang buys 
services from another criminal gang, they, they sometimes do so in Bitcoin, they, they tend to stay within the system. So they just exchange stuff in Bitcoin. Um, so they're not as exposed. But there are ways and, you know, large police forces, um, you know, uh, in, in Germany, in the UK, um, people like, uh, like I think, Europol um, organized this. They have... Um, they have technology and, and their companies making this technology where you can trace money flows, flows through cryptocurrencies. And that's certainly being done and it's been also used. Um, I don't know if it's ever been in a court case, um, but it's certainly being used to investigate stuff like that. Um, so, you know, that, that is that's certainly a thing. So it's not as anonymous as, as people think. So, with NFTs, like with other blockchain technology, you have, you know, you have you have downsides. You have this this publicity kind of thing, and you know, with NFTs, it's kind of the same thing. As long as you stay within the system, whatever blockchain you're using, I guess you're anonymous. Um, but I mean, it's proving ownership, right? And if you at some point publicly want to want to tell somebody that you own something, then you have to kind of divulge your address and stuff like that. So. Um, Right, and it's inherently public. It has, you know, depending on what blockchain technology you use, it has the problem with the proof of work that it that needs energy and wastes computing resources and stuff like that. So uh, I just wanted um, to make sure in the beginning here that 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 everybody understood that that that's the case, and that I don't object to the actual technology of sharing uh, as uh, storing stuff in the blockchain as i said last episode it's just it's a good technology uh, it's also the problem is it solves a very specific problem right and um, well that isn't really a problem it solves a very specific problem uh it's just that most people don't understand that they tend to sell it or use it um as a um, as a catch-all technology because they don't really understand it and it's a buzzword and it's being sold. But I talked about all of that um, in the previous episode. So with that, you, you know what NFTs are. It's really not that complicated. Um, I continuously uh, marvel at uh, mainstream journalists being unable to explain what it is um, because really if you know a few fundamentals, it's really not that hard. It is not magic. Um, it's basically somebody looked at Bitcoin and said, well, what, what if we store something else in, in the blockchain, you know, instead of currency, what if we store uh, little contracts basically that say, you know, I own this, um, right. And then we get to the, uh, to all the problems that uh, come out of, uh, out of doing that. So I've, I've, I've thought about this a lot. And um, my conclusion is that there are several things wrong with NFTs, specifically two things. Um, the first thing is, I feel, uh, inherent in the technology. And I'm not the only one who feels this. Actually, the Wikipedia article on NFTs, uh, I think actually surprisingly to me because... You know, I use Wikipedia as it's a good resource, but sometimes it's, um, especially on techie topic, it, it tends to be opinionated, but like in a way where people don't think it's opinionated because it's like the, the general opinion, but it's like, the, you know, within techie, within the 
tech bubble, but it's not necessarily right. Uh, but they're very, uh, <laughs> not to say based on this, um, they're in the in the in the very uh, front of the article. Um, the, uh, the the Wikipedia article on NFT says this. Proponents of M NFTs claim that NFTs provide a public certificate of authenticity of proof of ownership, but the legal rights conveyed by an NFT can be uncertain. The ownership of an NFT, as defined by the blockchain, has no inherent legal meaning and does not necessarily grant copyright, intellectual property rights or other legal rights over its associated digital file. An NFT does not restrict the sharing or copying of its associated digital file and does not prevent the creation of NFTs that reference identical files. I think that sums it up very well. Let's let's go into like the second bit is actually the larger problem that I want to talk about separately. But like, let's let's get about like there's a there's a legal problem here, all right? Um, let's let's say in Germany. I'm not a lawyer, uh, obviously. <laughs> Um, otherwise, I probably wouldn't be doing podcasts. I would be making money, um, selling people uh, legal advice or defending them in court. But um, let's let's look at, as far as I understand, the legal problems. Now, the, you know, having an NFT is not, or like a smart contract, I think this generally applies to smart contracts, um, is inherently not a legal way to make a contract, right? I mean... Um, depends on what country you're in. I would think that if you're in the U.S., maybe uh, the courts are a bit more open to this kind of thing. But let's let's say in Germany, right? I'm in Germany. We're very strict about these things. So we we could have an we can have like a smart contract or a bit uh, a blockchain that says you know this is NFT and uh, you know JPEG uh, art dot JPEG belongs to Fab. Um, that would not be a contract. Um, you know to buy art uh, and and associated rights uh, i would have to have a you know a, a signed contract in germany right and you can certainly have a signed contract that says you know this nft belongs to fab um, but like the nft and the blockchain itself have no legal standing right there's no signature there is nothing that you know a german court would recognize um as legally binding and i'm, I'm pretty sure in the uk uh, or in australia so all the countries i've ever lived in and kind of looked into these kind of things in detail, uh, that would be similar. Um, and I, I feel like from what I've read in the US, it would be similar as well. Also, and nothing of this has been proven in court. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the, the GPL was worthless until it was first proven in court. Like something like this, a software license or anything like this um, is inherently meaningless until, you know, we, we have jurisprudence and we have cases where we can go, look, th these courts decided that this is actually valid. And that doesn't mean that, you know, they might not decide in, in, in the future uh, that this is, you know, a legal way of doing things uh, that is well within the realm of possibility. I think in Germany, that have to be a law. In Germany, you can't just go, well, this is now a contract. And you, you'd have to change the, I guess it's the BGB, the Bürgerliche Gesetzbuch, like the civil, uh, the, the book of civil laws, basically. Um You'd have to go, uh, you know. This this is a this is a way to sign a contract. Um, yeah. So, oh, uh, this just brings me back to something from the last section. I actually very quickly I forgot to talk about one of the downsides this brings with it is, of course, also the problem if you you know like like any blockchain or cryptocurrency, if you lose control of your wall wallet, like there's no way to get 
it back, right? So if you have a ton of NFTs, uh, you bought a ton of art and invested in shit, and, uh, and and you lose you lose the password to your wallet, you know you can't prove that they belong to you. So uh, all uh, that's all bets are off. That's like one of the downsides uh, that you take with you know having blockchain technology. Um, but anyway, so it's not it's not legally binding, um, and um, you can't like you can't convey rights like this. So for example, one of the we're gonna be talking about Archie in a bit, and um, one of the uh, you know most important rights when it comes to art is copyright, right? <laughs> right? Um, and uh, for example, in Germany, the author or the creator of a thing. I mean, if you if you create something, it's automatically copyrighted. That's how copyright works on the Berne Convention, i.e., probably in any country you're listening from, right now. Um, so um, it works like this: uh, you, it's not like a trademark where you have to go. I created this. Please, can I have a trademark? You go to some government office, right? Copyright is you create something, and if it's a a, a work un, under copyright, you know, by by, um, by by definition, if it's a work under copyright. Um, you know, a copyrightable work, right? That's applicable for copyright. It's immediately copyrighted to you, the creator, or the author. And um, this depends on countries. But in Germany, for example, you ca can never get you. You can't possibly relinquish this copyright. It's not, as far as I understand, copyright law in Germany. No lawyer. Um, but I've, you know, I've, I've researched these. This, I'm very interested in this topic because of open source software and stuff like that. Right. Um, Right, so you always own the copyright. The only thing you can do is you can give somebody a license. So let's say I write an article um, on something, and then I sell that, let's say to Golem.de, which is a German a tech website. Um, and I cannot sell them my copyright. I can sell. I can give them a license, and I can give them a perpetual license, which basically means they can use it and can do whatever they want with it forever. Um, but I still always have the copyright, um, which means there's also certain limits to the license, right? It's very hard for them um, to make a contract where I sell them an article and I can never publish it myself. This didn't used to be a problem when journalists, right? People had printing presses and, you know, you couldn't just publish things yourself. But on the internet, I mean, uh, they can, like, I think as far as German law is concerned, they can make a... Uh, uh, you know, they have a, have a contract with me where I say, well, they say, well, you sell us this article and you're not allowed to publish it on your own website and stuff like that for like two years or whatever. Um, I don't think they can ever do that unlimited time. So at some point, the rights will default back to me. Um, and, and generally, uh, they don't like generally, I can always publish it myself after some time. Um, because you can never relinquish those rights completely. That's different in the U.S., by the way, um, uh, which is, for example, also with music, which is why music licensing, uh, uh, you know, uh, works differently in the U.S. than it is in Germany. Um, because, you know, you always have some right in Germany to your own composition or your own work. Um, and I, um, I have a friend, um, Larissa Schwartz, who I know very well, uh, who, who who does art? Uh, she's on Twitter, by the way, uh, at Larissa Schwarz. Um, if you speak German, she's German. Um, she creates art out of um, banknotes. Um, she cuts banknotes into well, she's got like shredded banknotes from the European Central Bank, I, I think, 
and she uh, sorts them by color and then she makes art with it right she um she basically makes paintings by gluing little bits of money to paper and um i commissioned an artwork uh, from her um that i uh gave to my wife and uh, when you when you buy that artwork from her like you know i this was my introduction to buying art i didn't know it worked that way uh, but I've since learned and also researched this. Very interesting. So I actually, there's a contract um, that you sign where you, because the artist always has copyright on their work. Like you can buy that picture. Let's say she was a painter and it was more traditional, right? She paints a picture. I buy it. I can put it in my house uh, and I'm, I have the right to, 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 um, to uh, exhibit it. Uh, but she always has the copyright to the picture. So I can't just like, for example, take a photo of it and upload it to the internet um, without her permission, you know, because uh, that would infringe on her copyright. I mean, you, the, the the contract you have, basically the license can stipulate that, that I can do that, but inherently um, it's, it's, it's her copyright. Um, and uh, yeah, it, that's very interesting. I mean, it applies to everything. It applies to software, to books and stuff like that. So... Um, so copyright is, is a very um, interesting um, kind of legal problem, really. And it, of course, also applies to NFTs because um, like there are actually people who are selling NFTs and they say, you know, I... Um, you know, if you buy this, if you buy this, you know, art.jpg, um, you get the copyright for it, which is not technically correct. I mean, they could give you a license, but, you know, like people generally, uh, I feel also younger people and a lot of, you know, older people. So, but it's very prevalent with, with like people that are about 20 and younger. They don't really understand copyright. I think we should we should be teaching this at school because it applies to everything, like the internet or something. Like you hear this, like I'm, a, I'm, I'm broadcasting on Twitch right now, and there are many Twitch streamers who, who go like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm playing copyright-free music. Uh, what they mean is, what they're doing is uh, they're playing music on their stream where the copyright owner and possibly the license holder and or the license holder will not... Um, initiate legal proceedings or has given them a license to play this on stream it's not copyright free music there is no such thing as copyright free music there's not you know and work it's always copyrighted and like even if you're in a country where you as a as an author or as a creator can sell that copyright um generally it's, it's it is a license but like if you can do that then somebody else has the copyright right somebody always owns holds the copyright on something um so they're like, I mean, this might sound as a nitpick, but that sound like a nitpick. But the, somebody saying that, you know, that they don't inherently understand how copyright works. Um, you also hear some some people you have to register copyright, right? Uh, say that, but that's also not how copyright works. As I explained, you know, copyright exists by by just creating a work. And so I think some of the people that are you know buying NFTs or like involved in the scene, they don't know this either. Um, they possibly don't know what how copyright works, and and that is uh, is a huge problem. So so the um, so basically the the problem that's inherent in this technology is that you have a blockchain, right? And the blockchain goes 
uh, Fab owns this piece of art. But that's just a statement in an internet database that has nothing to do with any legal ownership rights. Um, right? And, and legal ownership rights are the only ownership rights that count. Because uh, if I if somebody sells an NFT of their uh, of their artwork um, and and says you know sells me for a thousand euros sells me this art, this NFT and and then I in you know, quotes own this NFT and then that person goes and sells the exact same NFT to ten other people what am I gonna do like I've been just been scammed right. The only thing I can do is sue that person and say, well, you sold me the rights. You can't like sold, sell 10 people the rights. Now, if then a court goes, well, you know, you didn't really buy the rights. And this is different from like lots of people say, you know, when you buy digital music or something, you don't buy digital music. But what you do is you buy or you lease or whatever. You, you get a license. You get a very specific license that is legally binding. How good that is and how close to ownership that is, that depends on the license. But you do get a license. Um, with NFTs, you don't get a license. You know, it, it's there's there's no legally binding stuff. Um, indie gaming access, uh, to, comparing to the streaming music, uh, indie gaming access streams themselves, and should, should be called copyright safe. Um, yeah, although you know, safe implies it's not really copyright safe though, because that imply that implies it's safe, uh, which it might not be. It depends on the license, like everything. It's not like a lawyer already. It depends on the license. Um, no, you should say I have a license to this music um, because that is what you have. Um, copyright safe music is generally licensed under, you know, Creative Commons or something like that. Or like a specific license that says, you know, if you're a streamer, you can do that. Um, and that's, you know, there's also, there are also people who are playing music on stream where they go like, this is copyright safe. And it's based on the artist saying, oh, yeah, you can use that for streams. But that's also not legally binding. It's kind of like an NFT. If the artist goes around and sues you, and you don't have, like, the music I play, the music I'm going to play, uh, okay, I have two different, like, when you, the music I played in the intro of this show is actually music I licensed specifically from the artist uh, via a site called Jamando, where you can go, you know, I want to purchase a license to this song uh, to, to, to put that on my podcast or whatever, and I did that. And the music at the end that I'm playing is, is going to be licensed by Epidemic Sound, which is a service where you get a subscription. And then as long as you have that subscription, um, things you produce, like podcasts uh, or YouTube videos or whatever, uh, that you produced while you had an active subscription, um, you have a license for that forever. So, you know, if, if I cancel my license, I cannot longer, no longer use music from the catalog for new episodes, but the old episodes are okay. Um, so it's, you know, so I just I just have a license. Um, Astral C asks, and what if I put the copyright certificate as part of the NFT? See, there is no such thing as a copyright certificate. Um, copyright works like this: you're 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 an author or an artist or whatever. You create a work. You have a copyright. That is that's why it's called a right, right? It's a right. It's not written down. Um, there's no document that says. Um, so I'm writing a book right now. You can go to grimdeep.com. It's a novel. Um, there's no there's no document from a court like you get with a trademark that says you know Fab has the copyright on the content of this book. Uh, it's just inherent in me creating it, and the only way to prove the you know the, the only thing I have to do to prove that I ha own this copyright is 
to prove that I, I was the author. Um, and that's generally the, relatively straightforward. Um, so you could put a license uh, in in the blockchain, I guess, right? Um, you could like you could do that. I guess that's you know you could do that in smart contracts, and that would would be debatable. I mean, I'm not saying courts in the future aren't going like this is legally valid. Uh, but the problem is that as long as you don't have that, as long as you don't have a license as part of your NFT that has very specific terms. Um, you don't own the rights. And I'm going to get into why even that is a problem in a bit here. Um, uh, in the game access, I guess you can't actively give up your rights. It's just there. Yeah, that's that's the way it works in the UK, and I, as far as I know, and in, definitely in Germany. Um, in the US, it is a bit different. I think you, you, could, you can, like, basically give it up because you can give a... Like, in Germany, you can't give an all-encompassing license as well. There's, like, very... There's, 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 there's borders to what you can put in license. Um, in the US, you know, specifically with music contracts, this is a well-known thing about music artists and how they sold, sold their soul to music labels. You know, how, you know, you know those stories. Um, you can. You can basically, I mean, John Fogerty did this for his music. For the longest time, like, he wasn't allowed to play his own songs live. Um, he did. And I think he always basically paid the fines, <laughs> you know, from from the concert revenue. But um, you can certainly, uh, you know, you can you can certainly give up a lot of your rights uh, equal to basically um, you don't you don't have those rights anymore. Um, in countries like Germany, that's that's a bit harder. But let's get into the second problem because I mean this first problem is a problem, and it's I mean it might get get solved by courts actually or by laws being changed and stuff like that but that's actually not the important problem here comes the important problem as far as i think and that's the thing i thought about when i first heard about nfts that things the thing i refer to that in my mind has never changed i i i haven't changed my mind about this and i don't think i ever will um so I think there's an inherent problem with the very idea of selling ownership of digital assets. Before I explain why that is, let me get into very quickly say I understand why people want to do this, right? I'm a creative person myself. I uh, my my job is essentially a creative job. Pretty much everything I do. I mean, I do some other jobs. I'm actually doing some project management at the moment, which I don't know how long I'm going to do that, but you know, it pays the bills. Uh, but generally, I'm a creative person, right? I, my I, my work's creative. I, I cr create things like this, the podcast. I write articles. It's creative work. And that's stuff you have your own copyright on, right? Um, but um, so I understand the impulse. Uh, and the impulse is that artists have a dilemma. You know, if you um, if you look back hundreds of years, um, and this is the way how it, it worked when you were an artist, from the Middle Ages to the Renaissance to basically till the internet was invented. Um, you create something, you write a book, you paint a picture, it's even easier with pictures, and then you sell that, right? You would either that, either like, you know, you're a painter, you paint a portrait and then you sell it to the person who commissioned the portrait. Um, or uh, you, you'd sell it to a collector or a museum or whatever. Um, 
or you know there are other ways you know in the middle ages you had, you had patronage i mean that's where patreon comes from uh, where basically you had a, a rich guy who said i like art and I, I you know i like to boast in society basically that i'm i'm such a good guy and i'm, I'm such an artful and civilized guy so i'm gonna pay people to make art and you were or you were like um you got paid by the queen maybe you know my favorite poet uh, uh lord Alfred tennyson uh, you know, he was a uh, poet laureate for a while where you like, you become so renowned that the queen goes, you're my private poet now. And, you, and then you write, po he wrote poems for the queen, stuff like that, Queen Elizabeth, that is. Um, and no, was it Victoria? No, it's Victoria, right? I'm, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being dumb here. Um, anyway, um, you know, that's a different way. But basically you're like, as an author, you would sell your book. Right, you would say you sell your book, you would write a manuscript, and you sold that to a publishing house, and then they had a printing press and they duplicated it. Uh, so you could duplicate things, but like it's harder with paintings, but like you could do that. And then um, they sold that, but you got the money from the initial sale. Like that's how artists work. Now, the internet came along. And artists now, especially digital artists, and pretty much everything's digital right now. And, you know, books are digital. Um, I mean, at least in the initial form, they're digital. Um, paintings are, many increasingly are uh, starting out digital if they're painted on traditional medium. I mean, you can still sell the original, but, you know, they get photographed and they are then exist in digital form. And you have a problem with digital media because the... Um, the concept inherent in, 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 in digital anything is that everything is infinite, infinitely, infinitely, wait, I need some more beer. I actually need to refill my tankard here. Um, oh God, I'm running out of beer. That's not a good thing. <laughs> um, you know, everything is infinitely copyable. And not only that, like, you know, uh, there's a JPEG on Twitter. I like the JPEG. I right-click, save as. I have a copy. And it's a perfect copy. It's exactly the same. Indie Gaming says beer penny. Well, you know, I can always pause this podcast. And then, you know, I mean, people on, on, on Twitch, on, on live stream will not, but you're the podcast listener. Won't, you won't hear anything. It'll just be um, seamless because it's the magic of editing. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so you can copy everything. And the, the, the thing is, not only can you copy everything, that would, like, if you just could copy everything, you could have mechanisms to prevent that, which people are trying, and that's futile. I'll get into that. But like, um, no, no, no. The the way digital technology, the internet, the computers, everything, hard drives, floppy disks, tape media, everything works is it it is um, it is based on copying everything, right? Even if you like move a file on a computer, what the computer does is it takes the file copies it to the destination and then deletes the original file. Like everything in a computer, inherent in how a digital technology works, it is it, it copies everything. Um, which, for example, is why I always produced, since I started doing podcasts in 2006, um, I've always published them under a Creative Commons license, which um, explicitly allows this copying. Because... If you have a like a copyrights all right reserved podcast, technically that doesn't even work. Because um, if you go to my website and you download the podcast, you copy it. And 
you know, copyright law says you're not allowed to copy it, the work, i.e. the podcast, without explicit permission by the author. So technically, you'd have to ask me to download the podcast. I mean, lots of podcasts are copyright or rights reserved, but that's just by convention, right? Technically, these those people could sue you. Um, I mean, it's at this point, it's been it's so far that the the at least the court in a same country like Germany would go well. It's kind of implied that you allow that because it's a podcast, but still, I mean that that would actually call copyright law into question, I guess. Um, and this is why you have very complicated licenses because you know there are people who argue that you know, uh, and it has been argued in court, um, especially, especially with file sharing stuff. Um, where um, people argue that you know um, downloading something and streaming it is is different, which technically it isn't, um, because both is copying the file, right? If you download it, uh, your computer goes right, right. Let me let me let me copy the file, and it starts at the beginning and downloads it to the end. If I watch a Netflix stream, it's a very it's a different technical process, but if I watch like an episode of Deep Space Nine uh, on my computer. That's what it does. It copies the complete file from a Netflix server. Right? It might only store it in RAM or whatever, but technically, it, you know, under copyright law, it's it's a copy, right? And then, if even if you don't watch the whole thing, even if you get a part of the file, there's like this argument, like how much how much of the file do I need to get for it to be the same work? And it gets very complicated. But generally, in, in, in digital technology, everything a computer does, everything the internet does is copying things. When you get a website, it copies the file. It copies a file from the web server or a lot of different files, technically, mostly. But, you know, it, everything you do on your damn computer is copying something. So the idea that we're going to create a system where you have ownership of a digital file really is ludicrous like ownership as in like i like i can't cop copy it i mean there is in a way as i say this i realize there's the concept of ownership of a digital file right so if you if you go on steam and you i mean there's a collection of files but if you buy a video game it, it could be one file technically and then you, you pay money and you you get the file you get the right to play it that's the license you get a license right but the, what I'm saying is what, what an NFT tries to do and what these artists try to do for understandable reasons is have a canonical copy of their work and that belonging to somebody. And, and that doesn't work. The, you know, this, this copying and licensing and stuff works if you, um, if you produce a musical album or like just say a song. And you license that to anybody who wants to. Our our copyright system, our way of licensing, all of our legal systems, you know, in, in the country, probably all the countries you listen to, are set up for this because they allow for somebody to purchase a copy of that song and listen to it. What doesn't work is just having one copy. Oh, I, 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 I put... I, 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 Ah, damn! If you do this live on video, I was I was I was gesticulating and I indicate one with the wrong finger. Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, to flip anybody off. If your if your podcast listens, it means nothing to you. But okay. Um, 
watch the Twitch stream sometimes. Oh, you know, episodes on YouTube. It's it, it's it's fun. When I spill beer or run out of beer or flip the listeners off and the the, the viewers by accident. Anyway, it doesn't allow for you to have only one copy, an exclusive copy. That's just not how it works. Um, because, like, you you can't let let's say I make a JPEG, and Jonathan buys it from me, and I go, Jonathan, you own the rights for this JPEG. We can do that in a in a private thing, but like, if Jonathan goes and and goes on his Twitter feed and says, "I just bought this NFT from Frap. I bought this JPEG and posts it on Twitter," and if we had a legal framework where him by buying this, by getting the NFT, well, how, what, however, he was the only person who had a right to have a copy of this file. Like he couldn't post it on on Twitter because anybody visiting his Twitter feed. And seeing the picture just made a copy. Doesn't matter if it's on the hard drive or whatever. It's a, the computer made a copy, which they wouldn't be allowed to. So putting it somewhere where people could see it on the internet would immediately invalidate the license. And since these NFTs go like, you own this JPEG, and the JPEG stored on the URL at the server, anybody who downloads a fucking blockchain. And, and loads that URL just violated that copyright if there was such a thing. This is why this doesn't work. This doesn't work. I understand why artists want to do that. I very much understand this. Um, as an artist, I want, you know, I, I want nothing more than other artists, no matter if they're video game developers, if they're novelists, if they're journalists, you know, painters, people who glue uh, money to paper, doesn't matter, musicians, um whoever um i want them to be able to make money and to be um fairly compensated for their work and that's a problem you know i'm a journalist i know what i'm talking about getting fairly compensated for creative work in in our society uh is uh is very hard and it's not getting better um but the solution is not to impose a system on the digital world that just doesn't work. If you want to be able to paint a picture and then sell one copy of it for a huge sum of money and nobody, you know, being realistically able to copy that, paint oil on canvas and sell that. Never take a photo of it and sell it. Yeah, I could sell a license that prevents taking a photo. I don't know if that would actually work, but um, just do that. Um Astral C says this is why some licenses in digital are a million pages long with tons of subclauses. Yeah, largely. Like if you look at the license for streaming services, they're very, very complicated because uh, they need to make sure of this whole thing. Uh, and I think that the people who came up with the NF idea of NFTs, I don't know who, ever, I don't even know who invented this. Either. And the people who are largely proponents of it don't understand this. Um, they don't understand this problem. Um, and they don't understand why there are licenses that work like this. They're very idealistic largely and they want a future where we don't need these licenses and you know the blockchain governs everything or whatever. Uh, but that's just not the way how the world works. Um, it is this whole thing is a contradiction in term. It's a futile goal um, to prevent a digital system from copying things. 
it doesn't work. It's like it's it's flawed. It's flawed thinking. And so any system based on this thinking, it's got it's going to be flawed. It's not. It's it's going to have problems. Um, and, and this is why in digital systems you can never do things like I mean, they've tried for years. You know, DRM and all these things, and you you have like websites that go like that 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 lock like your ability to right click save as. You know, you just go print screen. I mean, you just like, and then there's ways, okay, you can kind of have HDMI and DC, whatever, and you can kind of encrypt this, but, but like, it's unencrypted on your hard drive somewhere, and if you're smart enough, you can just get there and get to it, and you can you can fucking take a picture of it, um, you can copy it, because digital, it's like your computer, there's nothing, like these, these people don't understand this, your computer literally, and it's your smartphone, it's your fucking any, your headphones, anything with chip in it these days, the chip and some storage, what that thing does, it just copies bits from one place. Literally, like if if I download something from the internet before it gets like from the wire from my Ethernet card onto my screen, it it gets copied like a lot. Like it gets copied like from the network card to the CPU into the RAM, gets you know out of the RAM into the CPU again, back into the RAM to the like it gets over some buses to some other cards. It gets copied all over the place. That's what digital data is. Digital data is little bits that are copied all the time. You, you can't go and say, well, we have this smart contract that says you may not copy this NFT, uh, whatever. Like, it, that very idea is dumb. And I don't know. I don't, to, no, nobody's saying this. I don't, the first time I literally, I was like, oh, NFTs, what's this? Oh, they're putting things on the blockchain. I'm reading this and I can remember this years ago. I don't know when it was, but it was years ago. Um, I went like, that doesn't make any sense. What they're trying to do is doesn't make any sense. Um, and I, the problem is I sympathize. I sympathize with authors or artists, musicians who go like, but we need a way to to get this old world back um, that enables us to make money. And I, I just think like in, in increasing, like people I talk to say, you know, oh, Fab, you're just an old man. And you have these old ideas, and um, the world's not going to work like this anymore. Um, and I say, okay, fair enough. Maybe when it comes to cars or something like this, maybe yes. Um, but then, then we get to something like this, and I feel like the young whippersnapper, intellectual vanguard, where I go like, you know, it's the same with journalism. Like journalism as it was. 30 years ago is dead. You don't have control of the publishing mechanisms anymore. Um, and you will never get back to that. To so all the, all these publishing companies that are trying that are basically doomed. They're fighting a lost cause, and this is the same thing. This is an attempt to get back to a scheme of uh, almost a mode of society uh, that that that's gone forever. Um, artists will have to, you know, accept that if they create something, it will be infinitely copyable, and it must be. Because our society is inherently digital now, um, to so to get within society, to lead, reach a large, you know, amount of people, your artwork, whatever it is, has to be in a digital form. And once it is in a digital form, it is by definition infinitely copyable, and will be so forever. So you have to find some way to make money. Don't ask me what that way is. I I don't know. 
Um, I'm re I realize that I'm a journalist and I'm selling my my intellectual property, as people like to say, or you know, my creative uh, endeavors to somebody, and and basically they're using an old mode of thinking. We're all using an old mode of thinking to make money of that, and that might not be sustainable in the future. But I know that, right? I um, I'm just <laughs> I'm often very, very, very cynical and like defeatist i think but in some things i'm an idealist and i think um here's something i believe to end, end this whole thing on a happy note right um here's something I've, I've i believe and i've believed forever and i i will probably continue to believe till i'm dead um i think a creative work and and good work like that will always be worth something like people say oh journalism is doomed I think the media and the modes of journalism that we have today are probably doomed. But the act of um, being an agent of the public, researching things and telling the public things the public wants to know and that other people don't want them to know is valuable. Somebody who does that well has value. Same as if you can draw, um, you will always have a way to make money. I don't know if that is, you know, you'd have to draw things for a company and get your money that way. I don't know. Right? Maybe you have to, to to glue little pieces of money to paper, which, you know, you know, I have one of Larissa's artworks in the other room, and I can tell you I have a picture of it. It doesn't do the real thing justice because it has a structure, right? Uh, and and um, if you have a real artwork, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of the uh, Russian painter Ivazovsky who paints, uh, painted um, mostly seascapes. And, you know, those pictures, I have a lot of those pictures in high resolution uh, downloaded uh, because you can get them because they're in the public domain because the pictures are in museums, they're old, the author painters long dead. Um, and I have them very high resolution. And I can tell you it's not the same thing than seeing them in a museum. Right? There's texture to it. They're like old-fashioned paintings. Now, if you, one of my other fav famous, uh, favorite and somewhat famous artists is uh, Simon Stolenhawk. Uh, who is like a, a Swedish uh, digital painter who paints, um, does illustrations um, of like, you know, robots in 80s Scandinavia and stuff like that. Um, uh, Simon Stalenhawk, uh, I think it's pronounced Stalenhawk, but it's like Stalenhawk uh, on Twitter. It's, he's well worth following. I should put these, um, actually, um, I should I should just Google these, well, not Google, but look on Twitter. Um, and put these two links in the show notes. I will actually do that. Let's look up Larissa. Obviously, I follow her. Uh, and then Simon Stolenhawk. Simon Stolen. Simon Stolen. Stolenhawk. Stolenhawk, I think. Yeah, I want to search for that name. Yes, thank you. I will put links to both of those people. Uh, in the show notes um, they do amazing art so and if you do stuff like Stalinhag which is like he paints digitally um, he doesn't have that like if I have a high resolution image like of his work it's not like Larissa's work where it's like has a different like dimension to it like texture or whatever when you have the real thing in your house but like Steinhack still makes money. He publishes books, right? He makes these books. There's stories in it. He publishes pretty much all of his pictures for free on his website in high resolution. You can download them. I use them as wallpapers um, uh, all the time. 
Um, but like people still buy his books, uh, you know, maybe to support him. It's like, you know, Patreon. It's like a, a modern mode of patronage. Maybe that's the way to go forward. Um, but also because I have a book. You have a nice coffee table book and it looks good. And it's a nice, it's another way to present things. It's the same thing where people still buy vinyl um, records, even though in some cases they don't even have vinyl players, right? Um, so maybe we have to find ways like that. Um, but I don't think NFTs is the way. I think NFTs um, are stupid. And uh, don't take investment advice from me. Uh, but I, for all of these reasons, I have, I, have, I would find it kind of stupid to buy an NFT. Right? If I have, if I have an artist I really like, and and they need money to survive, I just go like, you know, pay them some money, just pay them some money, or maybe you can go and you know get something like Steinhardt for example does um does a lot of like whenever a new book comes out he does kickstarters right so you can do the kickstarter you can even pay a little bit more than the book you get some extras whatever um there are ways to support these people that are a lot less dumb than nfts so uh i would say don't bother with any fucking nfts and I hope I gave you a good idea of uh, of, of why why I think that. Uh, and with that, let's uh, let's get into the feedback here and uh, start winding up this show. Some shorter episodes here, so this just should um, people who generally uh, think the episodes are too long. I should like this. Which I sometimes get as feedback. Which I don't understand because you can just pause the episode, but you know, I mean you get you get getting too much content for free. I don't know what your problem is. Anyway, um this is gonna be a very short feedback section as well. I just wanted to uh, mention um I we talked last episode about some feedback on episode one one five. That was my last like Ukraine episode, you know, the winter war one. And um, we had some continuing good feedback uh, on the forum there, uh, on the thread, uh, links in the show notes, provinces in the press. Some input from Gal Terran and a new member of the community called My Cookie. Kind of like the name, My Cookie. And uh, Petit Michel is also chiming in again. This is well worth a read. Um, you, should, um, you, should, you should maybe go on the forum and read that. You don't even have to sign up. It's all. It's all available without signing up. So um, why don't you do that? And with that, let's talk about uh, <laughs> let's talk about patronage. Yeah, having having talked about licenses, I do give you a license uh, for this file um, to download it, to copy it, to watch it, to hand it to your friends. You don't have to pay me for anything. You just get it for free. Isn't that cool? Um, and the reason why I do that is because I think it's the only way it actually makes sense uh, in today's world. And I've, I've thought so since about 2006. 
or probably longer, but that's when I started implementing it. Um, nonetheless, uh, like artists, uh, I kind of have to uh, get the bills paid. Um, this, these, these Radeberger pilsners aren't cheap, especially these days. Um, don't know if they're brewed with Ukrainian wheat, but uh, it's uh, it's not looking good. So uh, if you can pitch in, if you can become a, a patron, you know, like in the olden days, uh, I'm kind of your podcaster laureate at that, at that point. You can do so. Links in the show notes, private system, not press. Expands everything else as well. The value for value model. I'm not going to go into that. What I'm going to do now is thank everybody who made this happen. Uh, thank you, Georges, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Rodane, The Insane, Michael Small, Jonathan, Jonathan, M. Hetty, Michael Malm Jensen, 1i11g, Dave, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Jackie Plage, Philip Klostermann, IKN, Sandman616, Bennett Piata, Vlad, Mode7, Rizel, Kaisiers, Joe Poser, Avis, Dirk Didi, Fadi Mansur, David Potter, Mika, Cam, Mr. Amish, Dave Amrish, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan, RJ Tracy, Rick Bragg, Captain Eckhead, Astro C, Robert Forster, Superuser D, No Reply, and Crunkle. And also thanks to my Twitch subscribers, Mike the Dane, Jonathan MH underscore com, Gal Taron, El Terrestris Jim, Redeemer F, Bacon the Pork, Mode 7 is unavailable, Jonathan4747, and Indie GameX. Thanks, Indie. And thanks, everybody else. And also thanks to ByteMark at bytemark.co.uk, their UK cloud hosting company um, who provide me with the servers and the bandwidth to bring you the audio files. You can copy off the servers, you know, copying. Uh, <laughs> it's it's fun. Uh, yeah, and I couldn't do this show without ByteMark, so thanks to ByteMark, ByteMark.co.uk. And actually, one thing I wanted to mention, which I forgot because I didn't put it in the show notes, I'm going to put this, I'm going to create a link uh, section where I put in uh, Larissa and, and Simon uh, on Twitter as well, so you can look at their art. Uh, but there was this thing about what was it uh, Square Enix uh, selling Tomb Raider uh, for NFTs that was hilarious so uh, you know um, the uh, Square Enix also known as Queenix um, sold um, a lot of studios uh, and the <laughs> Tomb Raider IP uh, to another company to invest in NFTs so um yeah, and I, I think they did just about a week before the NFT market kind of took a dive, um, which lots of people are laughing about. But it's even more funny that they actually did this. Um, knowing what you know now, uh, that NFTs are basically bullshit, uh, whereas Tomb Raider certainly isn't. Uh, the last three Tomb Raider games uh, are amazing. If you haven't checked them out, they're great. Um, um, a very, very cool... Um, female empowered main character especially in the new version of lara croft uh, i enjoyed those games very much um, i actually know some guys from screenix um used to <laughs> used to frequent the pub in wimbledon uh with some screenix guys um you know just some low-level screenix guys i mean they're probably not screenix anymore because i think they've been sold now to whatever that other company was that bought them it's like some company that just keeps buying on buying up uh, IP as far as I can know. What were they, what were they called? Um, so they sold 
Crystal Dynamics, I think. Oh God, Embracer. <laughs> the Embra it's like some Swedish. I mean, Tomb Raider is going to be fine because they just bought the. Um, the you know, they just bought the studio and the IP and everything, so they're just going to make more Tomb Raider games, and it's not going to be published by the Embracer Group, which sounds sinister. It kind of sounds like the Borg Collective. And the Borg itself sounds kind of Swedish, so I don't know what's going on there. But uh, this, that was just hilarious. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if Screenix is going to be fine. Anyway, I've talked about the music uh, for this podcast uh, intro song called Acoustic Roots by Raul Cabezali, um, which I licensed. And then I have a license uh, from Epidemic Sound for the uh, outro song, which is uh, another uh, song by Lupus Nocte. Uh, like in the previous episode, I thought I'll tie those two thematically together. It's going to be some synth wave. It's called Juicy.exe. Uh, Juicy.exe. So I thought that was that was hilarious. Um, and I, I think uh, it, it fits this episode very well. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. Um, aim to misbehave and uh, support your favorite artist. But please, not by buying NFTs.